Welcome to the Rewilding Blueprint podcast. Your pit stop for unleashing your primal power. We're here to turbocharge your day, giving you the strategies to resurrect your lean, athletic body and a mindset forged in the furnace of life's challenges. Why? Because this isn't just about workouts. This is about reclaiming your natural born right to a life of vitality, success and unbreakable focus. My mission for you is simple. Absorb one game-changing piece of advice from each episode and put it into action today. Are you ready to abandon the stale gym air and tap into your primal roots? Let's get started. Patronize anybody. And one of the things that I sort of found along my own journey when we look at sort of mental health and burnout and things was journaling and that's a real big part of what i'll talk about tonight instead of how we write down how we challenge these emotions and even that not wanting to complain and, and making excuses i think like luke said it's really important sometimes we have to look at where that complaint is coming from and what that excuse is you know and sometimes it is we're looking to protect ourselves so one of the things that once i'd looked at how we support fathers i decided that we have to look at how we support the staff that support them and burnout is particularly one thing that we've seen quite a lot of in the. I don't know if anybody here works for the NHS, but you know when you work with NHS staff and when you speak to them now, you know this burnout is real. You know post COVID, trying to deal with the extra demands, the lower staff. We're not going to get into pay disputes or anything like that tonight. I'm not here to talk about that. But in terms of the role, and when I sat sat down and started doing supervision and speaking to the staff, we realised that it was very difficult for them to support people that were going through these challenging times when they were struggling. And it's all the old analogies of, you know, your, your cop's too full, you can't give from an empty cup and all these different things. But what it boils down to is burnout and it's taking on too much and it's not finding ways to let it out. A bit like training, you know, when the body's trying to tell you something like shin splints or like various other things, it's maybe time to slow down. It's learning to listen to that. And that's where obviously this first slide comes from. You know, mental health is as important as physical health. They do go hand in hand. I say this as a cautionary tale. There he is. Um, that from my own experience, former infantry soldier uh, left the military with injuries and went down that sort of route of, I can't do what I could do before, so I won't, because I found it too difficult that I maybe couldn't go to the same levels. And the fact that I couldn't run the same distance, I couldn't carry the same weight. So... I found it very difficult to do anything for, for large periods of time. And it was that sort of mindset. So I'm not here to preach or to tell you this is how you should or shouldn't do it. And um, it's just some of the things that I put into various different programs, working in the corporate world and delivering these same sort of talks on how we can prevent burnout. So it is just little whistle swip tour and then Luke will obviously take over. But the one thing that when we do look at mental health um, and for anybody that may I've experienced it or have an understanding. I'm not going to insult you in any way, but there's a very big difference between mental health and mental illness, you know, and I think it's one thing that we tend to get wrong in society in terms of the conversations that we have. So looking after your mental health is just putting it in in advance. It's a bit like eating healthy, although it does play a part um, with our physical health. Also, our mental health is about how we look after ourselves because we don't normally discuss mental health until it becomes bad. That's when that conversation starts. And it's just being aware everybody has mental health. Not everybody would experience mental illness, although many of us will. But these are some of the things that we can put in place just to look after ourselves before 
we get to that stage where we do become emotionally burnt out, especially having kids and life and family and jobs. And I think what COVID definitely highlighted is that our work life and our family life are not two separate entities anymore. They do fall into each other. And if you're having stressful times at work, it's going to feed into home. And if you're having stressful times at home, it's going to feed into work. So these are some of the things that we look at when it comes to sort of burnout in particular. And most of you probably would have already experienced this, you know, but it is irritability. It's frustration. You know that we know that when we're obviously taking on too much, I'm not going to pick on anybody and ask them to talk. If I do pick on anybody, it'll be Luke. Sorry. But we are obviously having difficult times at home or difficult times at work. We will become a little bit more irritable. Anybody here that's got children, um, obviously Luke and I have discussed this before, but you know, when we are under pressure at work, when we are pushing ourselves too much um, to train for whatever it might be, um, or we're trying to get a PB or whatever we're pushing ourselves for, when we're struggling to get there and we do become frustrated and irritable, it is the people around us that will often be the ones that get the brunt of that. So if we do have children, sometimes we're less tolerant. If you're stressed at work and you're trying to process what's going on and the kids are asking you something, you don't quite have that same time to give. So when we look at the ways in which we can find these ways to outlet, these little snippets of how we can hit reset, it's a bit like anybody that's old as me, I'm 41 now, that whenever you had Sky TV in the olden days, if there was a problem, every problem was solved with unplugging it and plugging it back in. I mean, that was pretty much how she fixed everything. And I think that sometimes we have to look at that in ourselves. You know, how do we unplug from the wall for five minutes before we plug back in? You know, how do we hit reset? You know, and again, you know, ruminating over work is very difficult, whether it's work or whether it's our training, which is obviously relevant tonight. You know, that if we're not maybe hitting those goals, it's on our mind. We're thinking about it. We're trying to figure out why we're not doing it. We're dissecting it, whether you're an overthinker. Um, and the other thing that we won't go into too much detail tonight, but if anybody here has the likes of autism, ADHD or different types of personality disorders, anxiety, depression, that they've had previously or they're diagnosed for these conditions that overthinking and worrying about things goes hand in hand worrying what other people will think worrying about maybe sending the message to look to say that you maybe didn't do what you were supposed to do this week or that you've maybe not put the effort in and worrying what other people think is a real big part of burnout because we're trying to control other people's emotions you know increased feelings of negativity and detachment you know becoming overwhelmed you know, profound fatigue, again, if I feed into it, because we've got Luke here that's obviously got a little one. When I speak to lots of parents that have got small children, um, it's, oh, I'm really tired because I've got a baby. And it's, okay, why is the baby not sleeping very well? Oh, no, the baby sleeps fine, you know? And it's just that assumption, because you've got a baby, you're supposed to be tired, but it's not the baby keeping them awake at night. It's the overthinking, it's the worried about the situation, it's the thinking about the fact that they may be not trained as well as they should have today, or that they're not in a calorie deficit in the same way over the last few days because they've been to a birthday. They're constantly worrying about things and that's what makes them not able to sleep. New fathers in particular, and I will make this to anybody here that is one other than Luke or is going to become one in the future, that men in particular, when you become a father for the first time um, or any time, but when you first become a father, your testosterone levels drop by up to a third and it's to make you more accommodating to having a baby in the house. So it's to get used to the cries and the change and the upset that comes with it, but to make men more nurturing. Less testosterone means less strength. So you can't train in the same capacity. You don't have the same recovery as you once did. So you will work with fathers that will get a very negative opinion about the training program that they're on because they say it doesn't work. And it doesn't work because they weren't doing it before they became a father. 
this is a new thing to try and get fit because they now want to be fit for their child but they don't have the same strength levels they don't have the same recovery or they don't have what they had previously if they were training before baby came they're not having the same nutrition you're not sleeping all these things play a big part which i know luke's already taught you so i won't, I won't spend too much time going over that Memory and concentration difficulties. I get told quite a lot that men can't concentrate anyway. Um, but this is when it becomes can't quite think straight. I don't know if anybody's been here under that sort of stress before, but it's don't ask me any more questions because I can't process it. I can't deal with any more information. I've got nothing left to give. Please don't talk to me. Um, I'm sure everybody has experienced that at some time, but that's another one of the signs that we're becoming very, very dangerously caused to some sort of burnout. Um, and tendencies to self-isolate, which is the one at the bottom. Again, not necessarily just men, you know, but new statistics that have come out that says, you know, one in five of us will say that we have nobody to talk to or confide to about how we're feeling. So if we're we're already isolating ourselves because that's what we've done as a society for such a long time. And if we are struggling and then statistically we don't have people that we can speak to. It makes it very difficult to process. And that's when we do look at, obviously, more from burnout to mental health becoming an issue. Next slide is how we see, obviously, what burnout would look like. So we work nonstop. So whether that is you're coming from work, you're going into training, or you're looking after a family member, or you've got somebody in hospital, or you're doing something that's not just work and it's not just training, it means that you're constantly on the go. Some people, again, if I make reference to the likes of ADHD, they need to maintain, they need to stay busy. We know there's increased numbers of neurodiversity, so um, autism, ADHD. We know that because there's direct links to stress during pregnancy. So the higher levels of stress during pregnancy and the higher levels of stress during the birth can increase risk of autism or ADHD. Now, in the last few years during COVID, we've seen high increases of stress and anxiety because of the restrictions, because of the virus. So we know there's an increased number. We're seeing more and more people being diagnosed at later ages because we look at anxiety and depression and sometimes the symptoms will interlink. So you have people that I need to stay busy. I need to be on the go. I need to have something to do all of the time. And that's not necessarily healthy. But what we do see from people that are going dangerously close again to burnout is they panic about how much work they have to do. So whether you're someone like me that has lists the things they have to do and then they look at the list and then maybe only ticked off the first couple and they start to panic and then you think right okay i'm a little bit stressed i'm going to take a break they go on the break and then they panic that they've took time on the break and now they've got even more things to do on the list or they've got less time to do it and they go into that sort of spiral and um, which we see people that are obviously dangerously close and um, to becoming burnt out again so this one is a little bit, it might look a little bit condescending and I don't mean it to in any way, shape or form, but you know, you can't be positive with a negative mindset. There's a difference at the start of the conversation on about injuries and not wanting to appear negative. And I think Luke was, was spot on with how he sort of addressed that. But, you know, the brain believes what we tell it, you know, and if if we tell it that we're not doing very good or if we tell it that we're struggling or we tell it that we're no good, eventually it believes it you know and the more that we can just reprogram that wiring ever so slightly and just try and be positive i know again this sounds obviously quite insulting but you know thoughts beliefs and feelings and actions it's trying to sometimes differentiate between which one is which because like i said that when i mentioned earlier on about journaling so i've mentioned i'm an infantry soldier so when i thought of journaling i thought you know that's bridget jones you know keeping a diary that's not me that's not the sort of thing that i'm going to do but 
actually writing things down. And one of the points I'm going to go through um, in the last slide, which is about some tips, is that if you are struggling um, or you are maybe tired or you're just having a negative opinion of yourself because you are getting injured more or those shin splints that I keep picking on because that's what started the evening, if they just keep coming back and you do become negative and you are looking at maybe it's the program that's wrong or it's the trainers that are wrong or it's the way that I'm running or it's where I'm running or it's me or it's my nutrition or I'm not drinking enough and we become very negative. It's good to challenge those things and to have those thoughts. But if we write them down, we can challenge them. So if you write down the things that you're feeling, for example, when you are maybe struggling today, it's, you know, once you write it down, you can look at it. You know, I know I'm not the worst person in the world. You know, I know I'm not lazy. I know I'm not these things. But when it's in your head, it does the most damage. And that's why journaling or finding ways to express it is really important. So some of the other things that, that I've done in various different programs or with men particularly that I've worked with is ways to express that. So I've got guys that have wrote music, I've got guys that will paint, I've got guys that will draw, but people on the NHS that will find various different ways to express the frustrations and the emotions to get them out because it's the not addressing them um, that can sometimes do the damage and we can become very negative about ourselves and our achievements. And it is easy for me to sit here and say, don't be negative, it's impossible. You know, and, and try and be positive all the time. It's very difficult if you're having a day where you are a little bit overwhelmed. And again, you know, I'm going to go to look with, you know, everyone's quite aware of the situation, but there's certain days where you can't be positive. You can try all you want, but there's just days where everything just seems to be going against you. And I'm not saying that you have to be positive all the time. I just think that you have to be more positive than you're negative. Otherwise, you just become negative in the way that you look at things and you will look at problems that are sometimes not there um, and I'm not trying to insult anybody I say this as somebody that's made all of these mistakes and did feel quite sorry for himself particularly having injuries and not being able to train um, and falling into that trap of poor me um, and I so I say it as someone that's done it I'm not saying it as someone that's perfect because I'm not I'm nowhere near perfect I've made just about every mistake out there Um, I say this as things that I've come to the other side of it and I've worked with enough people that I know a lot of the things that we're talking about actually work and I've seen it in all different walks of life. Here again, a few more slides I'll hand back to Luke. Um, is gratitude is again something that I will explain why I do it and how I do it. But this is just some of the things that we've put together in how you can just practice gratitude, which sometimes again, I did think sounds maybe a little bit hippie bit Bridget Jones, a bit touchy-feely to talk about gratitude. But what I actually did, um, which is the thing that changed my whole mindset when I was really struggling with mental illness and I was in a very dark place, this is the one thing that helped me the most, was that every morning I would write down two things that I'm grateful for. And it's one of the tips that's coming in the next slide or the one after that. Um, and I would write down the two things. I could never duplicate them. And this is the message that I think is quite important. I could never use the first, the, the same two because when you do it for the first week, particularly me, I didn't even mention this, and, and neither did Luke, but my wife and I have got seven boys. Um, my eldest is 20, my youngest is four. Yes, we do have a TV, and no, we're not having any more. But what we sort of realised um, in various parts of the journey is that you know, trying to particularly speak to boys um, and talk about these things, and this is one of the things that I was able to do with my son, particularly teenagers and older, but... Having a large family, having things that I am quite grateful for, you know, I do have a, a good job and I'm quite fortunate that for the first couple of weeks, you could find a couple of things to be grateful for every day. I think most of us could. 
once you get past that and you're sort of six weeks to six months to a couple of years in, you're having to look for different things to be grateful for. And it's a lot harder. So when you start it in the morning, your mindset has changed. So as I got further down the journey, I then wrote them down at nighttime. So my two things were at nighttime because then I had all day to think about it. But because they didn't come easily over that whole day, you're looking for the positives. You're looking for things that you're grateful for. And, and what I did find is that the things I'm grateful for today, I wasn't grateful for tomorrow. And um, I would sometimes look at dads who they have been at home all day with the kids. They got their friends around. Um, they've had a barbecue and a few beers and it's their turn to put the kids to bed. And they don't want to, they're having a chat with the lads. They don't want to go and put the kids to bed. Um, so they're sort of huff and puff and they complain about it. A few days later, they're away on business and then they come home. Um, but the night they were away, they'd give anything to put the kids to bed because they're away. So they'd be that's how the gratitude changes because you're looking for it in different places. So it is helping others, you know, um, finding ways in which you can support. He's, Luke's created a great community here. You know, we obviously you do you speak and you talk to other people, but... When you do get to give that advice or that wisdom or you're the one that's maybe a little bit further on this journey than somebody else that's maybe struggling with motivation or an injury or whatever it is, and you're that little bit further, giving that support, helping somebody else does aid. It does sort of act as part of the, I don't like the word recovery, but it somewhat is, um, you know, taking nature walks, getting outside as much as you can. It's not just going for a run. It's actually getting out. They call it grounding. So you I don't take my shoes off and go and stand on the grass or stand on the beach. I don't go that far. But I know lots of people that do. But it is getting outside back to nature as much as you can. It is those unplugging it at the wall like we do with the old skybox, you know, and just keep going. You know, these things and are often happier. You know, the, the, the more we put these things in place, the more we look at what we need to be grateful for and what it is that we actually have. Um, it makes it easier on the difficult days and one of the things that i often say is if we didn't have bad days you can't have good days because you wouldn't know the difference so you have to sometimes go through them or they would all just be days so when you are going through the time where it's a little bit harder or you've got to dig a little bit deeper or it's raining outside you don't want to go for that run or it's comfy and warm in bed next to your partner you've got to get up and go to the gym and it's cold outside you know that those days where it's a little bit more challenging when you do feel good when you do take your shirt off in the mirror as a guy and you catch a glimpse of yourself and it just makes it a little bit easier when you're getting those positive bits that you're happy for when you've got to get up and do it sometimes when it's difficult and we all know it is and Luke would probably I don't know the conversations you've had but Luke's never going to be one of these ones that said he always wants to get out of bed and go and work out and I think if he did he'd be lying because nobody really wants to do it all the time um mental strength very quickly know yourself you know understand your thoughts sure, and feels sure. in the morning sorry on, mate could I just jump in? Because I think there's two awesome points on that slide um, previous. Can you, can you can you jump back? There you go. So it, it was it was a challenge yourself. Share one thing you're grateful for each day. And, and mate, I think a, a lot of the times nowadays when we talk about challenging, challenging ourselves and, you know, really actually trying to push for growth, right? Because, because I think a lot of the time when we're looking to manage stress better, when we're looking to essentially emotionally relate, uh, regulate ourselves better right really what we're looking at there is 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 personal development right and and growth and when we say oh you know we want to be challenging ourselves the, the first thing that people like often well, will probably come to a lot of people's minds here and you know i did myself is the old sort of like cold water therapy or go and thrash yourself for, on on a run or 
or you know absolutely goose yourself in the gym but i think if you like doing that stuff right is it really a challenge and now are you really stepping out of your comfort zone right and and i'd argue that actually a lot of the time you're you're not and i'm 100% not saying stop doing those things but and so this is just me talking from a, a very sort of personal place to actually challenge myself, you know, like sharing one thing that I am grateful for each day, like publicly sharing that. Actually, that for me pushes me way out of my comfort zone, way more than going in and getting in the sea or or getting in an ice bath, you know, an ice bath. And that is actually, you know, that is a real challenge to go and do that. And, and I think and, and it takes practice, which leads me on to the next thing, right? Which is keep going. So do these things often and don't like that is perseverance, right? And, and this is something that I've been saying a lot over the past few weeks. Every single person who is successful at anything they do, what whatever it ends up being in is, is because they will fucking persevere at it and they will keep going. And I think this this will almost take me back to that whole no excuses mantra where and an excuse is only excuse if you if you just fucking lay down to it and go you know what i'm not going to bother to do this you know at all that would i say then becomes an excuse but looking at something going hey this is the reality of the situation right now um i'm not actually in a position to share something but you know what i can still take this very small nugget and just do this which is still allowing me to move forward right i, I think that they go really well sort of nicely together those two points dude on the brink that no, thanks very much i think you're right and i think that we we learn most about of ourselves outside of that comfort zone i think that's a really good point um and i think that you're right everybody's challenges is different um and that doing something that we think other people are doing that is a challenge doesn't mean it's actually a challenge for us and sometimes it is you know i've, I've actually got someone at the moment um who i've been working with who has i don't know if anybody is aware um of this it's called agoraphobia which is pretty much a fear of leaving the house, um, you know, so that that actually getting up and going out and going somewhere where there's other people, that is a huge challenge before they even start to train, you know, so it's just going through that process, but it's the getting up and the doing it and going through it. So you're absolutely right, mate. Um, and I really appreciate you jumping in on that. So this, um, I promise is not much longer and I'll shut up and hand you back to the real expert. Um, but like I said, knowing yourself, understanding your feelings and thoughts, which is the important part. Embracing challenges, again, going back um, to what Luke's just said, you know, see tough times as a chance to grow. And it is, it, a lot of this does sound a little bit simple. Um, and I, but it's just reminding ourselves when we are struggling, when it is difficult, when we do have to push that little bit further, um, that these are, and like I said, take small steps, you know, break the goals down to smaller ones. That's one of the things I say quite a lot, um, particularly when we are looking at maybe, and again, one of the top tip slides um, right at the end will go through some of the things that I've done that, that helps me with those sort of small bits. And it's the same with everything that we do. So it's breaking it down to a few minute things, you know. So if we are on about just sort of hitting that reset, that can be, it doesn't have to be a cold shower. I know I'm not a big fan of cold showers, but, you know, just that getting in a shower or putting the music on loud or a podcast or listening to something that sort of can either bring you down or pump you up. And one of the things that I'll say again and again and again I have mood lists. I don't have playlists on my Spotify. You know, I have, I know what I need. Sometimes I need to be brought back down. So that'll be certain music. Other times I need something to pull me up and that'll be louder guitar type music. 
something you can crank up in the car or you can put on your your speaker, whatever it takes. But it's two, three, four, five minutes. It's just these little things or little short workouts just to get the blood pumping if you feel yourself getting a bit stressed. Um, these are the things that we do. So it doesn't have to be grand gestures. You're obviously doing a lot of training here, um, but it doesn't have to be big things that we do to maintain, look after ourselves. Um, I don't normally like the word self-care, although that seems to be the buzzwords that everybody uses, you know, but it is just making sure that we are looking after ourselves um, and that we just, we give each other the advice that we would give to our friends, you know? So I think sometimes we're very harsh on ourselves. We have a very critical voice, the way in which we speak and we judge ourselves. And it's a way in which we wouldn't speak to anybody else. And I think it's just sometimes trying to be aware of that. Um, staying healthy, you know this, look at what you're doing, you know, but eat well and, and looks gone, you know, so I can probably say this while he's not listening. But you know, we all like treats. We all like to eat things that's not exactly nutritious. And I think that most, I don't really like the word diets, but you know, most eating programs or most nutritional programs that we go on, I think most of the times that they fail is because they're sometimes too strict. So it's knowing you, it's knowing what you like, it's knowing your capabilities, no point in being miserable. It's just maybe finding that balance. And so when we see stay healthy and eat healthy, I think we have to cater in the fact that every now and again, we need to treat ourselves, need something that we like, whatever that might be. Um, I think we have to really bear that in mind. And you know, practice, keep doing these things um, and they'll get stronger over time. You know, so looking after ourselves, finding ways, even if it's just a few of them. So it's the taking small um, two, five minute sessions to unplug yourself. It's the journaling or the writing it down. It's the using music as a therapy. It's maybe looking at things slightly different or different ways to challenge ourselves or even practicing gratitude. And again, you know, I mentioned the quick tips. These are the ones that I do. These are what work for me. And, and the only thing I ever say to anybody that, is looking for ways to prevent burnout or to try and remain positive is that just because somebody did it and it worked does not mean it'll work for you. Um, and it's just that sort of trying different things. The same as training. It's just the same sort of thing as what Luke's teaching you, but we sometimes have got to train our mind and we've got to exercise our mind and it's finding different things that will work, different ways in which we can do that. So I've mentioned the bite-sized actions. Getting outdoors, we know whether we're training or not, just getting outdoors as much as we can. I don't know if any of you work from home, which lots of people do now. You know, so if you've got that flexibility to get out a few times during the day, if you're working on your steps as well as doing your exercise, rather than trying to go out and do 10,000 steps in one go, I know Luke's the expert when it comes to exercise, but I'm just telling you the things that I do, um, is that, you know, taking it in smaller chunks, go out three or four times. Um, if you've got a dog, great. You know, you can take the dog out and you can get out. Um and it's just the things that you put in place that just help you. I mentioned a second ago, treat yourself like a friend. You know, if your friend was asking you for advice or they were feeling a little bit down about themselves or they're just feeling tired or fed up or just couldn't get motivated, speak to yourself in the same way that you would speak to them. And again, that feeds into the writing things down because you can challenge it. You know, you can challenge it when it's written down. Pick two things every day I mentioned. You know, moodless, I've already said. Cook more. You know, I think it's quite nice when we're trying to eat a balanced diet. If we cook it, there's a little bit of enjoyment. If you're in a relationship or you've got a partner and um, the things that you have to do to maintain your life, try and do together. You know, so I'm not encouraging you to overly drink, but just say like a glass of wine or a beer and get your partner. Stick Alexa on with some tunes and cook together. You know, try new recipes, try new things. You know, meal prep. It sounds simple, but, you know, have these things cooked in advance. So if you are working a busy week or you are trying to train, it's easier if you've got it bulked up, you've got it already done. You can just add some stuff to it. And um, 
you can add it to some fresh protein or whatever it may be. It just makes it easier to stick to these nutritional diets if you're not coming home from a 12-hour shift and having to try and cook it. It also makes you feel good. We all know that feeling we get when we order a takeout and sometimes wish we hadn't at it. We feel a bit guilty about it. Not saying they're always bad, but it's just if it's just out of easiness or necessity um, and it's not good, it's not good fuel, it's not fuel for the mind to have it too much. So it's having it bulked up. Journal I've already met, you know, write negative thoughts and challenges, I've said them again, and set small goals. Easy wins. When we're looking at mentality, it is things that you can do. You don't have to have big grand gestures. It's little things that you can do each day to change the way that you are positive about yourself or the way you look at your your growth or your way you measure your weight loss or whatever it is that your goals are. Strip it down so you can have easier wins so that every day or every couple of days you've got that little bit of positivity of something that you did that you didn't do last week. Don't always set weekly goals because that can make you very sort of stressed and down on yourself for five of the seven days. Whereas if you have little shorter ones, it makes it a little bit easier to maintain. That's it. Any question, I'm not going to ask you to jump in unless you want to. You can always speak to Luke. Me, me, me and Luke speak regularly. So if you do ask anything or anything comes up at a later date and Luke fires it across, I'll answer it and send it back and you know he can pass it on to you. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. I know you probably weren't expecting some of that. And Luke, thanks for bringing me, mate. Yeah, I, you, I have a, I have sorry, a question. Go, go, Abby, go. Um, so, uh, so I'm struggling. Um, I'm very, very nearly to burnout, but I have positive mindsets, so I will get there and I won't get burnt out. But how do you, when you've got, so I run my own business um, and just like the NHS through COVID, IT was a major thing. So I am absolutely on my legs now, on my last legs now, needing a break. But um but then and then of course training and everything else how do you so my thing is I have to learn to say no I get that but I also don't know how I try and say no and if I say no in a very strong way um I don't like I don't actually like the way I come across because I'm really like I can't no I'm burnt I'm nearly burnt out guys can't do that so how do you try and get the strategy to get outside um to do all of this when you literally have got a diary that is and I work from home as well so how do I how do I do that because I've I've put in I do not work I do not want these meetings to be back to back I've done all of that but nobody seems to listen do I just not turn up it's a really good question um and both parts are things that I do struggle with I have struggled with I've found a better balance, but the saying no is still something that I really, really find difficult. Um, and I think it's it's finding the line in the sand is difficult. Um, I found mine because of some of the things that I mentioned earlier on. So I was starting to realise that these meetings, obviously, they're important. I've tried to put my boundaries in place. They're sometimes not listened to. But for for everybody else to get the best of me, my family sometimes had to see the worst of me because of the mm. toll it would take. And that was, it was more because I knew they probably needed me to find the ability to say no was my, you've got to find your reason. Um, and it yeah. was like, not found that yet. Um, and I would just say, you know, continue to try, but it is those smaller, like I said, to, to get outside five, 10 minutes, you know I mean? It, it, you'd be amazed at how quickly you can hit reset um yeah and but sitting I mean, 
It is very draining. And it's harder when it's your business because it's not like you're doing it for somebody else. You know, it's your yeah. livelihood, but it's difficult to say no. Yeah, I mean, I do give myself a pat on the back when I'm doing any good and stuff like that. But what I'm thinking maybe then um, is I take my meeting outside. So I say, well, guys, I've told you I don't want a meeting. I want 15-minute gaps so I can actually run downstairs. My family doesn't – it's only me and my son, and my son doesn't get anything because I know I know that is the way it could go, that you take it out on everyone else. I don't. I take it out on myself. Um, so maybe what I do is I take – I put it onto my phone, which I never do, because um, I don't have anything to do with work on my phone. So I have got a tiny bit of a cut off. I just work 16 hours instead. And I take that phone outside and they see me, because I have to be on my camera. They see me going for a walk and then maybe they'll get the message. Because I literally, I mean, I have got, maybe that would, that I think that would, I mean, because we all joke about it. Oh, we'll give that one to Abby. But, you know, I am literally up to the eyeballs. And I don't, and all they keep saying, oh, we'll give you some more money. I don't care about money. I'm not materialistic. So, yeah. No, okay. That, that, that is a brilliant, a brilliant idea. Um, and maybe in, in a similar way, that, that's shifting it to the phone. Um, so there's a yeah. few times where I think I've subconsciously done that, where it's, do you want Zoom or a call? And they'll say, either or, up for the call. Because then they've just said, you can, you can you can go for that walk. Um, or you could just go out and sit in the garden that sometimes I don't know if you've got um but the, yeah. the area to sit outside, but that sometimes is enough. Obviously we've yeah. got the worst summer record, it doesn't really help. Um yeah. you know, to sit outside is and I think the other thing that we're terrible for, and you're probably the same, is that we don't necessarily when we work from home, we don't take lunch breaks. You know, it's quite easy to yeah. just let it roll right through. Um and you are supposed to take a lunch break, you know, so factoring that in. Um, in your day it does yeah. sound I know it sounds patronizing um, and it is hard to do and saying no to things is very very difficult when you've obviously got a skill set and you know that skill set is yeah. important you know that you're important to the role that you do but I think it's once you start to maybe say no or like you've said try every now and again um, I don't do this very often because I have the same problems but I can't make that meeting you can give a whole host yeah. of reasons why you can't and it have to be true and then you just take yeah. that time to do something i think once you push back a little bit people will accept that that's your boundary and that's where it is but it is difficult and i'm really sorry and i think that that knowing that we're near or being aware that you're near that sort of burnout is it's not a very nice place to be because it's, you know you're aware that you need to do something we just don't know what to do sometimes and, and that's a horrible situation I, to be i just let let rip <laughs> so they, they don't enough. like it all do. like, right. don't care don't care guys you want me to do this much work this is the sort of abbey you have let me have a break and then you won't <laughs> and so yeah but no thank you thank you yeah oh look is he crying look cool he, he is he is i had some oh. to come in with there as well i think so so i think what what i'd be saying there is it's it's, it's going to be you know, getting getting clear. I think it is getting clear on what your boundaries are, and then being very happy with with these are my boundaries, right? H having them pretty set, and then if like to me, that's almost a like we've had the chat before where like work is manic, and and sometimes we just have to say, look, this week, okay, work is manic, and, and I know it's happening. I think when if if we keep moving our 
boundaries for other people when we don't want to. So, so yeah. sometimes we might move a boundary because we want to, because we want to 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 achieve that, right? And, mm. and we know, well, I'm moving that boundary because this is what I'm working towards. But if you keep moving that boundary when you don't want to, then we've got to look at, at almost that that reason behind why you're moving the boundary, right? Yeah. Uh, and is it, you know, what what's almost a problem behind it? Because that's then what we want to be working on. So is it is it a fear of missing out? Is it a um you know feeling like you've got to prove yourself? Because yeah. for example, if you keep moving the boundary because you feel like you've got to keep proving yourself, well then th there's the problem there that that is mm -hmm. going to be working on, right? And whether that is is um driving self-esteem more by by really looking back at your past successes and going, no, you know what? Like, actually, I absolutely delivered on this project. I absolutely delivered on this project. And I, I know you do, right? I know you do. Yeah. On projects. yeah. And, and, and that should add a bit of fuel to your tenacity to say, hey, you know what? These are my boundaries and, and I have set them here. And I think something yeah. else that I heard the other day, I, I was listening to a podcast and, and I thought just personally, I thought, yeah, I... I can relate to that. And it and it was <laughs> like, well, I don't burn out, but I burn stuff out around me. And I think that's something I think when you can look at it like that and you go, well, I might not burn out doing this, but hmm. I might actually burn out. Oh, there's some there's some stress lifted from my shoulder. Right. <laughs> when, we start, <laughs> when you almost look at it like that, because I, I think you are very, you know, you're a very determined person and you always go and get it done. And I think when you and 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 please don't take this the wrong way, I think when you talk about burnout, I I don't actually think you are burning out. Because what what happens is a lot of people would burn out. But what happens is other stuff around you gets burned, right? Because you're burning yeah. so hot. And I think yeah. when, when you and, and you're probably almost doing that again, well, I'm not going to move these boundaries. I, oh, sorry, I am going to move these boundaries because yeah, I'm on the brink of burnout, but actually I'm not burning out. But what is happening is is you will be burning other stuff around you. And I think if you can yeah. start to see it like that and go, well, do I want to burn my rowing? Do do I want to burn this? Um, do I yeah. want to burn other areas areas of my health that then also might sort of add add to your drive to be like yeah you know what i i'm not going to to do that does that does that make yeah. sense yeah and i think the things that i because i have strategies and i've put them all in place and then these asshole managers <laughs> say well done have you done that i want you to do this and i think that's the thing where i say i don't know how you want me to do that because i've got 13 projects guys i, I can't you know i can't then I ask them to prioritise. So I'm now going, right, you've prioritised my work. I am only doing eight hours now. I'm not doing any overtime, guys. I'm doing everyone because I don't get overtime because I'm a contractor. Um, uh, and that is it. And then go forward. And then that is my boundary. Mm. And it's every time they move my boundaries, I then have to move everything else. But instead, I've just said, you're going to get an Abby, an angry Ab Abby, because I am going training once I'm once I'm better. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I, 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 so I like what you say there, almost about referring to yourself as almost a, a different 
like character. It's a totally so, different person. <laughs> Uh, I think a good thing that can be here, and I think this this goes back, I'm going to link a couple of things you said, Scott, which I think were really good when you were talking about differentiating between your, your sort of thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, right? And do you think that or are you actually feeling that? And it's something and mate, something that you went back to and said a few times through this, it was like, I don't want to sound patronising. And the the thing is, dude, like it absolutely is not patronising because people do not know how to do that shit like they just don't we and ev everyone here on this call pretty much is of an age where we're growing up with that emotional intelligence really probably wasn't prioritized as much as it is it should have been and i know for a fact i definitely need to work on my emotional intelligence and it it sounds it sounds easy until you actually think about it right so it sounds easy it goes yeah of course i know how i'm feeling i can tell how you how i'm feeling or or what i'm thinking and then if when someone goes well go on then tell me you're like uh uh, uh yeah i can't and and actually it seems easy until you actually go and try and do that so i think it's that be able to differentiate between the feelings and then what what you can do is almost like give yourself a traffic light system so people here who and, and people probably have this with with businesses or in their organizations like the rag system so red amber green people who have seen my my trello board know i use that system a lot of the time if, if you can go fuck me i'm red today <laughs> i i am red if, if you can learn to give your to to you know self diagnose yourself to, to a degree and go right where am I in my headspace right now? Am I red? Am I amber? Or am I green? And then if, if you were to then communicate that to people, right? And if you're super stressed and you go, right, I am red, Abby, today. And, and if you can then communicate that to the team, say, guys, I'm fucking red today, right? Do like, <laughs> leave me alone. I think that can be a really, really useful one there because people then know what they're dealing with. They, they've physically been told there's, you know, you've labeled it and you've, you've put a label on it and you've then communicated that people should really then, or, or hopefully there's more of a emphasis on them to respect that because they know actually that you are red. Another then you go, Hey guys, I'm green today. What have you got? Throw it at me. I am GTG. And and then and then it's a bit of give and take there as well. D does that make does that make sense? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do have that. <laughs> I kind of do the whole. I've been. I'm motivated to get. I've been to the gym or something like that. But I think not having that bit at the moment as well with my back, it's just like whoa, everything's going in there. But no, yeah, lovely. Thank you. Another thing, just quickly add to that, and I think. Abby sounds very similar to me, and I think other people here can relate, is that we become victims of our, our own success, I think. Mm -hmm. And once we deliver a certain amount, that almost becomes the benchmark. But that's not just to who you work for, who you deliver that for. That's our own mentality. So we get stuck in this sort of perfectionist stage of I either I've got two gears, I've got all or nothing. And I think it's sometimes a bit like the traffic light. It's trying to find the gears in between that's sometimes difficult because we feel that if we don't give it all, then we're not as good. We're not producing in the same capacity. And I don't know if anybody else agrees with that, but I, I definitely feel that, that, you know, that if 
this is what I delivered before. I've got to keep something to the same standard, but you sometimes don't have the time to do that. And mm. it's, I've got to give it my all. Sometimes it's an inferior complex, I think. You know, it's that imposter syndrome. Um, I've definitely experienced that, particularly when I go up against researchers and academics and you're sitting there and, and you know, you sometimes think, I've got to prove myself to be here. And then you know you're worthy of being there. Then you go into the next room and there'll be somebody else that sometimes makes you think like that. And you're right, look, it does go back to maybe a generational thing that we maybe not able to express that or have these conversations so they do manifest in different ways and the way in which we can answer that is that we prove our worth and the best way to do that is in our employment you know we have to overcompensate for the insecurities that we have and in i'm not saying you have them abby i'm saying i do <laughs> I have you know that 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 little boy that was maybe unheard is still there sometimes and i've got to prove to him as much as anybody else by overachieving but it, it is it's just finding that and it is difficult and then you've got idiots like me saying you've got to find time to get outdoors and you've got to find time to go to the gym and you've got to find time to go to work and you've got to find time to sleep and you've got to find time to cook and you've got to find time for the relationship with your partner or out dating trying to find a partner and you just sort of sit there some days and think it's impossible it's impossible to do it all and it becomes overwhelming and that's part of the small chunks but i do like the traffic light things i think that's really good look i think that's a good analogy to be honest mate so yeah thank you very much abby yeah yeah that's awesome there's some nice uh messages in the chat so pete's just got in quotes um what do i need to let go of i think that can be yeah that can be a super powerful question to, to ask yourself here just what what do i need to let go um and then fran even the you using the phrase i feel as opposed to i think changes the narrative and we use i think more than we realize and and yeah you're dead right i'm i'm probably very yeah i do that a lot what what are your thoughts on that scott no no i think that's true i think we, we do and we don't always know the difference between what we think and what we feel and it does go back to that you know we believe what we tell ourselves um so no i think just change it is it's the the small things have the big impact I think most of the time when we're looking at this, because I think sometimes when we're sat there, we're looking for big lifestyle changes that we have to make. And sometimes it's not. And it can just be as simple as that, you know, because if you feel it, it's a little bit harder to change than just what you think. Um, and I think going back to the previous point, you know, what do I need to let go of? Again, you know, that this is something that I've only been able to do quite recently. I wasn't very good at it before. If there was something that needed to get done, so a lot of the work that I do is in the roundabout mental health, and it is normally with parents that are really, really struggling, that are in the more extreme end. Um, so when something that comes in, that a project, it's been difficult to, to say no. So I would just take them on and think, oh, you know, or I'd take a new caseload on for a dad that was looking for support, knowing that I didn't really have the time, but it's all right, I'll find the time. Um, and I think that in probably the last 12 months, this is why I say a lot of this stuff, because I had to learn it the hard way. I got to the point now where if something comes in, something's got to go out, you know. So if you're going to take on that project, something's got to wrap up or be finished or at least in my mind. So I've got like a bit you can't see. I've got a big sort of chart here where everything's listed out of everything I've got to do. At least know there's a there's a clock. There's a sand timer being turned on that project and it's winding down so that it's going to come off my desk soon before I take on the next one. So I mean, that, that is a really good point. And it looks like because it's just short and sharp. But it's really, really important. You know, you have got to let go of things to move on to the next one. And I think that's something that we struggle with. But yeah, I love that point about the, the, the think and feel because it is, it's just changing perspective quite 
I wouldn't say simply because it's very difficult to do, you know, but it is just sometimes flipping it on its head, which goes back to the, you know, challenging things, you know, am I really this? Am I really a failure? Am I really letting everybody down? You know, am I really not motivated? You know, all these different things. And again, picking on Abby, because she said the most, um, <laughs> it's difficult when you do have that thing that stops you what you want to do. And I think injuries, there's a lot of doubts, a lot of negativity creeps in when you can't do things. And then you've got the trying to get back into it because you've got that little voice, that little fear in the back of your head where you, you're going to not relapse, but it's sort of similar, you know, it's going to happen again. So you do have that sort of doubt, which again is a very negative emotion to have, is that if you've had, I'm going to pick on shin splints again, you know, you've had shin splints, then you've got a week or so. And I say that because Luke actually helped my wife with shin splints. Um, and you've got them shin splints. And I used to see the way that she would be sort of apprehensive to go out for that run, for the fear that that pain was sort of going to creep back in. And it would make it, it would then, it would be half an hour before the run, and then some days an hour to the point that sort of come lunchtime, she's already negatively thinking about the fact that she's going to go for a run and get shin splints again and, and then come home and she didn't. And it'd be that sort of positive. She'd be all happy that she didn't have them. But that negativity creeps in really quickly when you're trying to come back from an injury and it, it, it impacts on everything because it becomes like a virus. You know, once you let negativity in, it'll stay and it'll, it'll cling on to you. And it will take over everything. So knowing the difference between what you think and what you feel can control that negativity and just keep it at the door. And you can't keep it away, you know, but sometimes you've just got to sort of keep a handle on it. And because it is, it's, it is, like I said, it's a virus, it's a poison negativity. And I know that seems very strong, but it's true. Um, and it will take over you very, very quickly because our brains are wired to look at the more negative thing is what we do. It's what kept us safe as a species for thousands of years. You know, we see those threats. That's how we're wired. You know, so it's very difficult to completely keep it at bay. Um, but just, yeah, those those few points are very interesting. Um, and there's another question, that if you want to take it. Yeah, so do, does anyone have any tips on, on letting go? I am terrible at this. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, hard one. So so tips on, on letting go. Now we're actually looking at some more of the you know, the real actual thing. So, um, Colette, do you, what, do you mind, you know, do you mind saying what, what sort of things would you say you, you struggle with letting go? Um, well, I think, well, a lot of it is work-based, mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of it is con a, like a control related thing. I can't let, like, I, I hate taking holiday because I think that someone's going to come in and like ruin what I've done behind me. I don't want to let it go because I want it to be done right. Okay. For example. Yeah, yeah, tough. Okay, so I, I would say one that is, this is where I would use a tool that Scott had had there where, where I would challenge that belief. So as well as, I mean, first up, if you genuinely like if you genuinely in your heart of hearts think someone's going to come in and they're shit and they're going to ruin your project i would i would probably tell them hey i'm worried you're going to ruin my project um but i don't think that's the case i think it's probably that yeah that control thing so that is where probably i i would use one of those strategies from scott there and i, I would challenge that belief and i think it was really good there 
sort of saying write it down so so you write it down you put it on paper and you, and you can actually see that belief and then and then challenge it you know ask yourself like right is that actually true and and this is something scott said quite a few times there as well is, is practice like these are skills that that we that do need to be practiced over time and i'd and i think often with this sort of things people don't practice those skills until they need them and then they're like oh cool i better start challenging those those thoughts but this that's going to take time to build so i'd literally like from tomorrow i would i would be writing that belief down and and challenging it um peter says letting go is very subtle what do you mean oh, by that yeah. dude? i was i was going to keep typing so i'll talk oh. instead i'm just thinking that um if 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 i gave you something to hold that was really really hot then then you wouldn't have any issue letting it go so it, it's one of those subtle things that's in, like it's almost too easy to do that it, that 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 we've made it complicated and hard and i think that's why the, the letting go how to let it go of something is is a really tricky one to to deal with because um because of that that very reason really it's 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 not an action it's actually an inaction in a way yeah that's a good point if i could just add one thing to collect's point that that helped me and, and it might help i think sometimes it's easier with project work or consultancy based work which is most of what i do but there's a point in every project or everything that you're doing where you're on probably the other end of the hill where you probably couldn't stop the project now if you wanted to because it's got the momentum um and that there's a point where if anybody came in, they probably could massive fuck it up anyway. Um, that's the point where you let go. That's where you take that break. So if you're struggling to let go, because it is control, and I understand that. Um, and I think we sometimes see as someone being controlling because of the narrative we've been fed as if that's something that's bad all of the time. It's not. Um, sometimes it's just someone that cares about what they're doing um, and they don't want it to go wrong. So... When I've struggled with that in the past, that's what I do. I, I get to the point of the project where I know it can't possibly go monumentally wrong from here because it's almost complete. And that's when I take that step back. Um, and then once you've done that a few times, you can start to introduce it a little bit sooner because it becomes a little bit like Luke just said, the learned skill. So get as near as you can to the project till the end of it or whatever is the report, whatever you've been asked to do. And then take that step back at the point where it's pretty much finished anyway it just makes it mentally a little bit easier and then you just put that bit in place but yeah it is it is a learning skill I like that analogy about if I give you something hot you'd let it go I mean that is absolutely true and I think it is just rewiring but these things when we say rewiring it's as if it's something easy to do it's not we're trying to reprogram who we are and for some of us like 41 years of age you know I've been this way for a very long time you know it's sometimes it's difficult and it's scary, you know, and it's easier to revert back to the way that we are. Or we do try that letting go. It, it's not comfortable. We don't like it. So it's easier to just not do it. A bit like the training, you know, when you're first doing training for the first time and you've had a few sessions that haven't gone very well or you've not finished your run or you're very, very sore. They're the times where it's easier to just sack it off and not bother. Um, and I think it's the same when we're trying to learn these sort of things. That yeah, So I'd say let the range go at the point where it doesn't make that much difference and then you'll find it easier going forward. So that would be my advice. Nice. 
Are there any <clears throat> any last minute questions? And then we'll we'll wrap up and we will land this plane because I I also realise it's getting late for everyone as well, and, and people probably want to crack on. I I basically haven't slept for five nights, so I also want to get my head down. Um, make it a short sweet then. Yeah, go for it, Nick. Go for it, dude. Not so much for a question, more that uh, a statement that I, I I feel like it's these sort of conversations, webinars, whatever you want to call them, they're important for us to be able to to learn and develop. Some of these, the points about burnout, what the things are to recognise them, it's not something that's mainstream. And if if we don't try and develop and find these skills and information people like scott coming in and telling us and talking through experiences we are going to learn and then we can't develop so it's just a statement that is it's important and thank you for taking the time to do it good to have scott yeah, yeah. yeah awesome to have scott here and, and, and i think with these things as well sometimes you can it, it's like so one thing I want, I think I wanted to touch on around maybe with what uh, Colette and Abby were saying, I, I think sometimes we can have a hang up that if, if someone wants something from us, we have to give them all of our time. But, but, but time doesn't dictate value, right? So for example, this webinar could have been three hours long and you could have taken like a 15 second snippet from that three hours, which completely changes the way you think. And I think when we when we can look at things like that, that time isn't necessarily value, you, like what is the one most, you know, powerful bit of value you can deliver to that project and just and just get that in there and go. Does that make sense? I feel like I waffled a bit there. Do people get the kind of general gist of what I was going with? You're doing really well on a lack of sleep. Is that you think that at some point soon you're going to get some sleep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's told me, honestly. I'm 21 years and still haven't slept, so you've got no chance, man. <laughs> so, yeah, time and value. I just think there's a big thing in our culture where we feel that to put something good into something or to do something well, it has to take a lot of time because, and, and we can see that in expressions like time is money. Like, it, you know, that is a, a big thing, isn't it? And people think we have to be putting like all this time into something to, to make it good. But that, that definitely doesn't equate the value that you bring. So if you can, you know, if, if you, if you are giving, handing off a project, you know, can you hand over one gem of information, for example, that is going to make that better for someone? When you want to say no to a project, instead of giving them three hours of your time, can you just give them one gem of information that only you know, right? Only you know that. That That is the power of your brain, right? That's the skill set that you've built up. You're very good at what you do and you're very experienced in that. You, you could give that project was going hey here's an absolute gem here's one bit of information that you 100% need to know to make that, that project so much easier right I've left you with that crack on you know Colette right this is what I've done on this project here's a, an absolutely vital bit of information that you need to know that's going to make this handover so much easier 
And, and I just think when we can start to see it like that, we can just almost just step back from it a little bit. Hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> Working in the school system, I can totally agree. We are taught to have a factory mindset from, from Peter and we do pair programming to concept knowledge share and remove heroes. If, I, if I'd if i seen Peter's comment earlier, we would have had a whole different session. Um, don't even start with the school system. Um, we've got loads of teachers here for, for some reason. Oh. <laughs> we just have. Have you got one, two, three, four, five, I think? I no. work in education <laughs> at the oh. moment. <laughs> so Wow. Because we, um, we home educate our boys for many reasons one of which is I, I believe we should be teaching this at a much younger age and um, there shouldn't be conversations we're having at our age this should be something that's ingrained from a much younger age and I think that before we look at teaching which king ruled when I think we should teach children who they are and what makes them tick I think it would make the world a much better place um, and that's not a dig at teachers by the way that's a dig at the system. Um, but yeah so I think it and it is difficult and I think it makes it very difficult for the people within it We've mentioned the NHS, and I think the other thing that we look at is that a system that is it is designed to make it very difficult to sort of think outside the box or to try and do something or challenge certain behaviours. Um, and I think that that is another occupation that you take that home and it goes back to the other thing. And I think from some of the work that I have done with the education departments is that that burnout is rife. You know, we talked about the NHS, but within teachers for that reason, because you are. You're not even hands behind the bag. I mean, you're hogtied in terms of it. So you have to take that home. You know, you can't not because it's a vocation. It's not a job. So it's something that I think we have to really look after the people that educate our children because it's it's a hell of a demanding job. Um, and I'd say that some of the research that I've done in different occupations, apart from NHS and frontline services, including military and police, that, you know, teaching is where I've seen most burnout for sure. Um, to the point of almost no, no return. There's no coming back from how burnt-out people become um, because it's a bit like some of the other areas that we've mentioned tonight, but the job hasn't really changed. I think it's the same for teaching assistants um, and a lot of, one of the areas I specialise in is SEND um, and I think that that's another area where there's an awful lot of pressure and it just seems to grow and grow, but the job title stays the same, but what's underneath that job title just seems to constantly expand and that's where these things are important. You know, we have to put these little things in place. But yeah, if I'd known that, I probably would have done a completely different presentation because it's it's something that worries me. I think I do feel I'm very worried about teachers. And I'm not trying to upset anybody before they go home this late evening because I don't think they're protected. Um, and I do think we ask an awful lot of them and give them very little in return, is my personal opinion. But um, yeah, there you go. I'll get off my soapbox now, Luke. <laughs> May I mean maybe that's something we we look at down you know down the line we we did talk about potentially doing a you know doing a, doing a few more of these so I, I think if I was if I was to sort of sum up my biggest takeaways from this and and the way I think I've seen it is is going to be almost starting that that recognizing stuff and it is the it it is. For me, it is learning those those skills of emotional regulation, but also accepting the fact from the from the from the start that actually there's a huge amount to learn there and there's a huge amount to learn. And I think I 
the more I've been thinking about it, the more I, I genuinely believe we want to see growth in other areas. We have to create that emotional stability from the ground up. And that's difficult and it often gets missed. And even if it is starting off with those really simple things with, you know, like genuinely, like genuinely spending that time to try and identify what you are really thinking, how you are really feeling and actually what do you believe at the moment? And I think that it will take practice. And I'd say that I think the biggest skills, uh, you know, that I think you spoke about there, which I think I would be taking away would be the the writing down and challenging those negative beliefs that, that aren't serving you. And I think this is a really good point as well. When, when we look at stuff and the reality of the situation, right? You know, sometimes things, you know, things do suck, right? But the, you also do need to look at that belief and ask, is, is that belief, is what I'm thinking, is that serving me? Like, is it moving me forwards? And if it's not, like, reframe, that thinking in a way that it is going to move you forward so so for me the, the the challenging those negative sort of thought patterns is probably the biggest one i'm going to take away and then pushing on with the you know gratitude and journaling will be will be a good one and i, I understand everyone's got to go and we've kept everybody late one last thing i would add which is a tip which has really helped me trying to make that change if you're looking to put these things in place that prevent the burnout, these sort of barriers or stop gaps or sort of unplug it at the wall, like I described it earlier on, is find something. Everyone talks about hobbies, and I know we don't really have hobbies in that anymore, but find something that is completely different from what you do. And I think that when we look at something to do, we normally take on something similar to what our job is or um, like if you go for a walk for example taking your kids or your dog for a walk is not the same as going for a walk by yourself um, because it's sometimes I don't know if anybody's like me but I talk to myself you know I have conversations full-blown conversations with myself so to go for a walk I will process what's going on in the day if my kids say daddy daddy can I come and they come with me I've gone for a walk but I've not got the benefits of the walk and I think sometimes it's the same with hobbies so it's to do something where you can completely switch off because it's completely different from what you do. And people always find it a little bit, they don't believe me when I say this, but I love floristry. So I will do floral arrangements. That's my thing. So I buy flowers from my wife because I like flowers and she just sticks them in the vase and I just cringe and I say, oh, I'll do it. But that, because I'm not thinking about anything to do with mental health or work or, or burnout or parents, you know, I just looking at how these flowers look in the house and, and it's, that helped me or I've got a, another guy that I work with that makes wax melts, you know, like the candle wax melts you put in the oil burners, you know, something completely separate from his job in the corporate world. And I think that all too often when we're looking to put things in place, we, we, we do things that will serve other people, but we think it's actually helping us and it's not. So if you're going to try and learn something, then learn a completely new skill that's got nothing to do with what you do for a job. And then that could be the thing that you use if you can't get out as much like Abby said, you know, just find something that you, you will not be thinking about your work or your family or your fitness regime. You can just zone into what you're doing and whatever that might be and try a few different things, a free night course at college or whatever. Um, so that would be the last thing. That I'd, just find things that you can completely switch off and not have to think about it. Playing video games, some guys will tell me will be what they'll do. Whatever it might be, it's just something where you can just completely switch off from, from the real world as such and 
Yeah, mine is flourishing. So there you go. I've embarrassed myself enough for tonight. Um, but yeah, that's that's my my top tip is just find something for you. I just stuck mine in there. Lego, Lego Technic, mate. I love it. That's the best thing about having a three-year-old because I can buy Lego Technic and it's free. It's like 15 plus and I'm like, it'll be all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Lego's a good one. Right. Awesome. Guys, thanks for coming along. Um, Scott, thanks for that, dude. Um, mate, where can people find you if they want to hook up with you, if they, if they want to connect and, and have a chat? Where's What, what are the best routes? Yeah, so th th there's quite a few things. One, they could just come through you because they've got contact with you. Anybody that's on Instagram, I've got a page. It's PMH Support, so Papa Mike Hotel Support, um, or Scott Mayer on any other sort of profiles. M-A-I-R is the mayor. Or, yeah, if you've got anything, come through, Luke. Any questions? If anything that you think of and you think, oh, I wish I'd asked that, because we all do that at these sort of things, it'll be tomorrow you think, I should have asked this, should have asked that. And you can't find me then. Yeah, just go through Luke and anything you ask, I promise you, I'll give my word right now. Any questions, I will reply um, either through one of them networks or through Luke. But yeah, get in touch with anybody that's got anything they want to ask. Um, but if not, you are in the hands of the master. You know, I, I don't say this about many people, but um, Luke is one of very few people that I've met that he isn't just one of these people who, who tells you what he does. He does what he says. And in this world, they're very, very rare. Um, so yeah, I've got a good one and I've been very fortunate to cross paths and plus him as a friend. Um, so he is a good guy. He will look after you and I wish you all the best, especially the teachers amongst you because I've already made it sound very negative. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate, for that. Very, very generous. Sure. What, I've, what I've just done is I've just fired up one of your posts on my Instagram story. So it'd be super easy for anyone to find if they want to, if they want to connect, but yeah, that was, that was awesome, mate. Really appreciate you coming on. No, no Thanks. problem. Thanks Carry for sorting yourself. it as well, Luke. That's great. No worries. Awesome. Catch you all. Uh, yeah. I'll catch you all soon. Have a good one. See you later. Bye.